0: Hi, Colleen. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. How are you? Hi, Dee.
1: I'm good. It's uh, really nice to be talking with you on a Friday.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm bad. TGIF. Yeah. I can't wait for the weekend. But yeah, other than that, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Uh, well, I'm Colleen Morris. I'm the CEO of a company called Calico Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with utility companies on a lot of software data-related challenges, um, kind of systems integration work. And then we specifically sell a software product called UtiliBridge that helps utilities meet the needs of the built world and um, provide building level data to folks outside of their walls that need it from them.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So um, you mentioned that like software challenges. So is it just like specifically what they're, like what problems the software company is facing or like anything specific? Well, specifically, so um, in the typical utility
1: business model, and we're talking about, you know, companies selling electricity or water or gas, um, Mm -hmm. their business model is built around measuring consumption with a meter and then sending a bill to the consumer. Um, And if you think of like an apartment building that you might imagine in your mind, there are many different, um, particularly for electricity, those are, you know, account level meters, right? You know, let's say 40 different people pay. 40 different bills for that apartment building. And mm-hmm. so if someone who owns the building wants a picture of what's happening at the building level, yeah. that picture doesn't exist on any single bill that mm-hmm. a utility might mail doing yeah. their sort of standard operating procedure, You know the way that they've functioned for a long time. So um, if you wanna figure out how to insulate that building or put solar on that building, or you know, put some EV chargers and storage at that building, you need building level information to evaluate some of those choices. So as the um, energy industry is transitioning and looking at um, lots of different resources and ways to, to manage demand, um, mm-hmm. you know, building level work is key to that. Yeah. Um, and that's reflected in a lot of policies that drive the need for building level data, which is hard for utilities to put together and deliver. And that's the problem that our
0: software solves. Oh, I see. Okay, that's very cool. So. As a president and CEO, like, what do you kind of take care of? What are your responsibilities? Um, I mean, the easy answer to that is,
1: you know, in theory, um, the good, the bad and everything in between is my responsibility, right? Um, But but I think there's a more nuanced answer um, and it's one that has taken me a long time to learn. And I do feel like I'm still learning it. which is that the most res- important responsibility I have is mm. finding the right people yeah. to put them into positions of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the most important thing I do is, is um, delegate. And um, you know, I try and we're, we're a relatively small company, you know, there are 35 of us, I I think today. And um I absolutely swing back up, Um, you know, I I step in, I roll up my sleeves all the time, like, um, you know, but we've tripled in size in the last few years as well. So it would be wrong if I were doing the same thing I was doing four years ago. Um, There's been a lot of evolution as we've um, changed and grown. And so increasingly um, my role is really trying to make sure that we have the right people um, to do all the things we need to do. And um, so hiring and development, you know, those things are at the top of my list.
0: Yeah, I get that. Especially like picking the right team is so important because that kind of, yeah, that makes your breaks. So yeah, that makes sense. What inspired you to kind of choose this career and um, become the CEO? Like what was your journey? Tell us a bit about it.
1: Um, This is a place where my answer is probably a little atypical because um, like the the TldR answer to that question is like nothing inspired me to do this. I didn't yeah. decide to do this and then make it happen, right? Yeah. I think, um <clears throat>
0: I mean, that's kind of how life is I like it's, it's unrealistic for it to just like, yeah, like it's not going to be a huge story all the time, like, yeah.
1: That? well, and I think there's there's immense value in, you know, looking at the top of a mountain or a ladder yeah. or pick your metaphor and saying, like, I want to get there. You know, what are the steps I have to take? Like, You know, I, I absolutely function like that where, you know, I aspire to accomplish something, but when it comes to my career and how I ended up here, um, it, it feels a little bit more like a, a a series of turns and doors and opportunities. And, um, you know, I think that in, in many moments in my career, I have seen a need
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my response has been to to try to meet it, yeah. um, you know, and that has meant mm-hmm. that, you know, I would take a role at a company and then reach for a new problem and um, try to solve it and then reach for the next problem and try to solve it. So, um, you know, my my business career involves every place I've ever been being internally promoted into leadership roles. Um, and when I became the CEO of Calico, it was the same story. I was hired as a head of product, um, onto this, onto this team. And then, you know, after maybe a year and a half, uh, it made sense for a lot of reasons for me to step into this position. So I I wasn't hired off the street into this job.
0: Yeah. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's especially like growth is so like important like i think that's realistic you're not going to just like step into that big role like you kind of have to work your way up and i think it works best that way because you actually understand your company like how it's working and all that
1: it can i mean internal growth and um, promotion is a is a wonderful way to advance your career Um, as with all things there are sort of upsides and downsides Mm -hmm. Um, i think there's a reality also that you know, at the point when I was promoted into this position at Calico, no one would have hired me off the street to be a CEO.
0: Um,
1: you know, so the opportunity presented itself and I had a seven month old baby and was not really anticipating, um, taking on a role like this at that point in my life. Um, but you know, so for me, the choice was to take it or not. And I did.
0: That's so amazing, especially with just like a little baby and like you're taking on one of the most difficult responsibilities being a mother. And on top of that, you became a CEO. So that's, that's really amazing and inspiring. But yeah. Other than that, tell us a bit about a time when you faced a major challenge in your career and kind of how you overcame it or how things worked out.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit existential with this one, I think, uh, <laughs> and say that um, <clears throat> one of the hardest. Personal evolutions for me, um, you know what I said to your last question was, you know, I often have been. I think even my LinkedIn says like problem hunter, right? Yeah. Like I'm like show me the problem and I'll try to figure out how to fix it. I love that. I'm very good at it. Yeah. Um, and there was a point after I took this role where I, I needed to get good with the fact that if I was only reacting to existing problems, I was not doing my job well. Um, and I had to shift from like solving problems, you know, playing sort of problem whack-a-mole, which is absolutely what I did for some amount of time. and it was necessary for a lot of reasons, um to like sticking my neck out and taking a risk on, you know, not just solving problems, but reaching for new things that were, you know, totally my idea. and, you know, going on record and saying, we were going to accomplish this hard thing. um, That's a different way of operating. And that was really hard for me personally, um, because I have a very strong muscle um, for sort of the, the former. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you start like moving the finish line and then defining what success looks like, and then, you know, saying, okay, we did that. Now what we did that now, what Um, that feels really different. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels a little bit more like picking the mountain or the ladder and saying you're going to do it. Right. Which is not the way I had really operated prior to this position. So that was a real challenge for me. And there are days when I catch my mental instincts and I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) I don't love this right now. It feels like I'm, I'm taking a risk. I don't know if I'll be able to meet the new finish line. Um, And that is, like I said, a little more existential than just a project um but it was one of my bigger personal challenges in terms yeah. of this journey.
0: yeah that's so genuine like actually comes from like something that you know you had to deal with or struggle with so I think it's really interesting to hear about other than that I think personal life is also so important because of course you have like a career but along with that wellness and how how you're doing it's so important to kind of see how your performance is so how do you balance your personal life with the demands of your career? And like, what are some steps you take to ensure you wellness? honest?
1: Yeah. Um, lots of answers to that question. Um, I think I want to be honest and say, like, I don't always do it as well as I could. Right. So um, some days I do better than others. Um, and my, the metric for success for me is like if I zoom out enough and if I look at a week, or a month or a year, can I like look my kids in the eye and be proud of how I like supported my family and parented and, um, you know, did show them what it looks like to be a person who takes care of themselves. Um, there's nothing like becoming a parent Mm -hmm. to be unable to not see yourself through other people's eyes. Um, and so while I, while I made that big kind of career leap, Mm-hmm. In the heel, on the heels of becoming a mother, um, and I and I have since had a. I have two little boys. Mm-hmm. Um, have since had a second baby. I also, at the same time, went looking for a way to add one of my like life passions back into my life because it it had been missing just functionally. I'm a horse person, mm-hmm. um, and I you know grew up with horses. Was incredibly lucky to have a lot of opportunity to do mm-hmm. that. Lived in a pretty rural place. Um, and I was living in a city, I was living in Seattle and I had a baby and I went, oh my God, I don't want my kid to know me without horses. Cause it feels like an incomplete story.
0: Yeah. It's um, such a, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's a good example
1: of some, some introspection combined with, you know, just forcible catalysts of life. Yeah. Um, uh, and so if I go back to your actual question, um, you know, I have a horse that is out at a farm near here. And, you know, I three or four days a week, am out at the farm in the morning, you know, before my workday starts. Um, and I tell people that's sort of my gym and my therapy and my hobby all rolled together. Um, and it it does it really matters, you know, if I miss that, or, you know, occasionally I have to negotiate with myself um, and skip a day because of a meeting or, you know, work travel happens. um, And those, those things are all right. um, As long as I zoom out, like I said, and I'm doing okay for the month. Um, so that's my personal answer to the question. Um, I also think that the other thing I really had to learn to do was compartmentalize um, when I took this job. So, you know, if I think of the last five years, there are a dozen different moments when I was terrified for some reason, you know, when there was absolutely something that was going to keep me up in bed at night if I let it. Yeah, and the first three or four times that happened, it kept me up in bed at night.
0: Yeah. And
1: eventually I I grew the muscle to compartmentalize and say, like, if I'm going to do this job, well, part of doing this job well is not being kept up at night because it's not going to help me solve the problem tomorrow.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you have to kind of keep your head and keep it. It's really learn how to do that. Yeah. 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 It's really difficult to learn. And I think like, as time goes on, I, I feel like people can, but it definitely takes a lot of effort, but yeah. So I guess that's one that—that's kind of advice that listeners can have, but other than that, what advice do you have for young people who are kind of starting out in uh, the business world or anything where they're kind of innovating or anything like that?
1: So many different answers to this question. <laughs> um, I think for me, I'll answer with something that has been true in my own experience, which is you know to find the people that you are going to learn from yeah um you know find the people who um you connect with find the people who see your potential um you know I-, I owe my entire career to a woman who hired me after i was a high school teacher and had relocated and was looking for um you know, something to pay the bills and couldn't get a job teaching at that point. Cause it was at a time when, um, the public sector was reducing force. Yeah. Um, and she hired me because she thought I could do the job and, you know, she isn't just the first person that hired me. She's like a dear friend and a mentor and, you know, every single person you work for or with is not going to be a person like that, but if you are early in your journey and, um, you know, the world you want to be in, or you're trying to figure it out. Like every single challenge you face and every single opportunity, um, that you're trying to find will be improved. If you have people around you who believe in you, who are willing to invest in you. Mm-hmm. So I would say like, don't forget that the business world is also built on people and relationships. Um, and Build them with intentionality and pay forward what you get from the people around you.
0: That's such amazing advice. Yeah. I definitely think that's one of um, I guess, the most thoughtful ones we've gotten. And also like you're our 10th episode, like it's like a milestone. So yeah, I'm really like excited for this one. But yeah, how do you stay motivated other than that kind of and maintain, I guess, a positive attitude in the face of setbacks and failures? And over time, like as I've recorded these um episodes I realized that you know I guess this question is a bit flawed because you don't always have to maintain a positive attitude like I was looking at it kind of wrong but I mean how do you stay motivated but what's your take on it um
1: for me Mm -hmm. the answer to this is a little bit further upstream um in the sense that like I just am not going to take on something that I'm not deeply invested in So the motivation for me is like inherent and implicit in the fact that I'm swimming in this river already, right? Like I, I know about myself that I don't want to do a job or, you know, work for a company that doesn't feel aligned with me from a philosophical perspective and a mission perspective. And so I'm very, very like mission and impact focused. Mm-hmm. So for me, you could say that's a chicken or egg situation, but like that means my motivation is is fundamental. Mm-hmm. Um and that is the the reason that when something gets really hard or when I feel like every door is closed, I keep looking because I wasn't standing there um just by chance, you know? And and so the moments when things are challenging, I fall back on why I chose to be in this industry at this time and take on this job in the first place. Um, I think that's, it goes a little bit further upstream for me.
0: Yeah. Having like intrinsic motivation. It's so like useful because then it's, it's coming from within you. It's not like some work that you have to do something you're actually invested in. So yeah, definitely. Other than that, um, how important do you think innovation creativity has been to you in your Specific career and how important do you think it is in general in the business
1: world? Well, um, I mean, I spoke a bit about the fact that I feel like I'm a magnet for trying to understand the problem. um, And that is tied to, you know, wanting to remove barriers or, um, you know, find the right solution to those things. Uh, mm-hmm. And innovation and creativity is, you know, probably what's going to make or break the future of our planet, right? I mean, how you, you can't. Um, I I would challenge anyone to make a case for those things not mattering, right? Yeah. I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, that my answer around how important they are, the nuance, the Colleen nuance, would be. Um, innovation isn't just about like designing the feature in a cool way or, you know, a product or an idea that comes with a light bulb associated, right? Like sometimes it takes incredible innovation in a conversation with your peers to like drive the right outcome for a group, you know? And it's built on being brave enough to like try and then try again and then try again. And then be like, ooh, that moved the needle a tiny bit. Let me like, Fan that flame. And so, you know, innovation and creativity is directly tied to just not giving up because sometimes the things I'm being creative about are not like going to end up on geek wire. You know, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, maybe this will work if we shuffle the team this way. Or maybe if I try to package this up like this, it'll make more sense. And I think um, it's tied to motivation. Yeah. Uh, and I think that small scale creativity.
0: Yeah.
1: Underrated.
0: Yeah, that's true actually. Like I never thought about it that way and that's, that's a really good perspective, but yeah. Other than that, tell us kind of a bit about a project or initiative that you're working on at Calco Energy and like what excites you about it? How do you feel about it? You know, just kind of talk about like how's it going.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'll answer this two ways. One, you know, I, I introduced kind of the problem we're focused on yeah um and i'll go back and and just add that you know right now uh like climate and climate tech and electrification and decarbonization and the energy transition there is no like hotter sector than this and that's like a terrible pun probably um but um <laughs> not intend that pun um and I, and i think you know i'm really 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 excited because I feel like we have been seeing problems and barriers and building software and, you know, talking to people in our industry about those for years, you know, I'm seven years in to trying to kind of understand this very niche problem Mm -hmm. in the sector that we're in. Um, And in the last year, I have seen more momentum and more energy and more change than the first six years prior that is, is incredibly exciting to me as a professional and a human, yeah. Um, because we have no time to waste um, mm-hmm. when it comes to this sector. Yeah. Um, my second answer is, Calico is in the middle of sort of that business ebbs and flows, and you kind of grow and you expand your capacity, and then you consume it again, and then you grow and you expand your capacity, and then you consume it again. Yeah. We're at the peak of um, a pretty steep slope in terms of growth and that has involved an incredible amount of challenge mm-hmm. but I'm very excited about the progress that we've made and some of the folks that we've added to the team and what's happening around me. Um, we're really shifting into a, a different scale of business
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's really exciting to see and be a part of.
0: Yeah like especially your, you said your company in the past, I think, four years, it's, like, the size is triple in terms of, like, employees, which is, like, your growth is extremely, like, it's amazing. It's going so fast. So, yeah, it's very exciting. As kind of a last question, just to kind of wrap things up, how do you see the business world or just kind of your, like, field evolving in the next five to ten years? And what skills do you think are, like, very valuable or, I guess, even underrated for business professional staff?
1: Hmm. Um... I think that in general, business is trying to figure out what it means to evolve from uh, sort of more of the shareholder paradigm to like a stakeholder paradigm. Mm -hmm. And I think that underpins the way business operates. And I also think that underpins like the industries that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we we just talked about climate and the energy transition and, you know, where, where money is going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Over the next five to 10 years, hopefully sooner, I think what used to feel like an either or is really no longer mutually exclusive when it comes to doing things the right way that matter and like profitable business. You know, people used to talk about this, like these things were, were exclusive. Like you had to choose, right? Yeah. Um, you're either a capitalistic profit monger or you care about people. And I yeah. just call um, baloney on that. And I think that the world and the the at least the parts of the world that I'm in, I'm seeing that really manifest in terms of like culture and um, investment in people. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of different layers of reckonings that are very incomplete <laughs> but I think that the change and the rate at which a lot of those things are coming to fruition is yeah. increasing. Um, so I think five to 10 years from now, I just have to imagine that, you know, some of the numbers I, you're, you're calling this change the stat, right? Like it's changing. It's not mm-hmm. changing fast enough. And we wish it didn't need to change to begin with, but like the yeah. momentum is there. Yeah. It's there. Um, yeah. And then, then I think around skills, your second question. Yeah. Um, I tell people that when I get asked what the most important thing is when I'm hiring, my answer, at least right now, and I think for perpetuity will be Mm -hmm. self-awareness. I think that, you know, the most important thing for any professional at any stage in their career is to like really understand their superpowers and really understand what they don't love doing, even if they're good at it and what they don't, what they're not good at. Like there's been this kind of notion that, you know, it's our job to develop everyone to be good at everything and performance management has kind of been built around that. And I think that's a waste of a lot of energy because, you know, when you're building the right team, you need a lot of different strengths. You don't need every person to be excellent at everything.
0: Yeah. You have like each person covering different areas.
1: Yes. And so the really valuable thing for young and old professionals to know is like who they are, what they have to offer, how to represent it, Mm -hmm. um, and what they don't do well. That's what I look for in terms of like true self-awareness in, in team members. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I'm so glad that you had this conversation with me. Do you have any final notes to add? No, I, um,
1: not in terms of questions I it's exciting to see someone like you working on something like this and I think these are the types of conversations that are evidence of change and momentum and generations that are coming so um thank you for investing your time in this project
0: of course like I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to speak with you it's been so fun especially like like I mentioned before this is the 10th um, episode so it's it's kind of exciting like I was kind of I guess hesitant about starting this project at first but you know, it's it's gone a long way, and we're finally like hitting this big milestone. So I'm I'm pretty excited. We'll see where it goes. But yeah,
1: be excited to see who you talk to next.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I had an amazing time, and I think with that, we'll conclude this episode.